0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Moving along to um, Kim Sealing-Smith, who is on the line, the CEO of Ignite Global, an expert when it comes to the future of work. And uh, Kim has conducted, she says, 5,000 exit interviews with employees and has learned a few things along the way. Uh, Kim, good morning. Thanks for being on the program once again.
1: Good morning, Mitchell.
0: So, for the people out there that don't know, what is an exit interview and what sorts of things are discussed?
1: Well, normally exit interviews take place um, with the company that they work for prior to leaving the organization, and exit interviews in their in the traditional form um, – like I said, are conducted by the organization. So they're not necessarily going to give you all the right answers. My exit interviews were exit interviews that I conducted as a recruitment consultant. So prior to starting Ignite Global, I worked for 15 years as a recruiter. I interviewed over 5,000 people during that time. And if you think about it, 5,000 people walked into my office and told me why they wanted to leave their manager, because people join organizations and leave managers.
0: Hmm. So people wouldn't be happy to sit down with their manager that they're leaving and say these are the honest reasons, but with you as an independent party, you've learned a few things along the way.
1: Typically, that's right. Um, exit interviews, I, I the, the traditional exit interviews, I sort of have a love-hate relationship with them. I think that they can gather some useful information, but you've really got to take what they say with a grain of salt. And I know this from an external party uh, perspective, not only as a recruitment consultant, but also since I've had this, my current business, I do exit interviews for companies from an external per, external perspective. And I know I know firsthand that what they're telling the company itself can be markedly different from what they'll tell me as an external party.
0: So what are the common reasons that they give the company and what are you finding are the real reasons, the most common reasons as to why people are leaving?
1: Great question. So the most common reasons that people will tell the company is, i got a better job, I've got more money. And while that's true, they, they could have gotten more money, but in their mind, they did get a better job. My uh, What we would call that is a pull reason. What's pulling you into your next opportunity? What I want to find out is what's the push reason? What pushed you to entertain those other opportunities? Now, rarely will they tell you the truth around that because their go-to position will always be money or, you know, now flexible work hours, which is a big deal for a lot of people, or, you know, less of a commute time. But what my research shows is that typically the issues that they're having, the reasons why they're looking for another role actually fall into nine different categories That have very little to do with pay benefits and have have a lot to do with how they. How they feel about what the company does, the type of impact that the company makes on the planet, how they feel about the company's values and whether their managers, their senior leadership actually act in in a congruent manner with those values. They want to work for somebody that they trust and respect. They want to work with people that they like. They want to understand what they need to achieve, not do, but achieve and how that success is measured. They want to do work that they love and work that they're good at. They want to feel like they're learning, growing, developing and and moving on in their career. They want to be appreciated, which interestingly enough, praise and appreciation is the number one thing that Australian employees say that they want. The number two thing is that career development, that opportunity to learn, grow, and develop. And globally that's reversed. So Australia is a bit of an outlier in terms of how much we want praise. Those are the types of things that employees really want. Those are the types of things that really will will keep them in the position that they're in now.
0: How much does money compensate for some of those concerns that people have? For example, if they were working for an organization that didn't really align with their values, and I can think of a few organizations that people may work for that uh, probably don't align with values. Oh, if they're yes. a big multinational corporation, that uh, they don't agree necessarily with what the company is doing. If they get paid a lot of money in the process, do people sort of tend to look the other way, or do those values always tend to shine through?
1: Eventually the values will tend to shine through. Um, when when organizations throw additional money at people, so we're seeing this now quite a bit, where somebody will give notice and the company will come in with a counteroffer. Well, my question is if you're willing me to offer more money or an additional title or more responsibility as as you think I'm walking out the door, why haven't you done that in the first instance? So that typically has about a 6 to maybe 18 month runway so people will suck it up and put up with things that they're not happy with for 6 to at the most 18 months but overall the values and those intrinsic motivators will always run always you know come to the forefront
0: How much does that actually work if they get offered a salary increase or better hours or something as they're walking out the door? Does that ever work from a company's perspective to save employees that otherwise would be lost?
1: Yeah, the research shows that, again, six to, 6 to 12 to 18 months is the longest that you'll be able to hang on to somebody. And then, you, you you know, you add in a layer of mistrust. If you're willing to do that as somebody's walking out the door, why the heck weren't you willing to do that before? Didn't you see the value that I was providing? Didn't you understand what I wanted to do? Why am I being offered this now? Why haven't we had these conversations before? So there's an automatic um, degree of trust that goes away as a result of offering counteroffers. I'm not a huge fan of counteroffers. I'm a huge fan of understanding what your employees really want and then either meeting those expectations or managing them if you can't. And, you know, let's face it, we can't be all things to all people. We're not going to be able to meet everybody's expectations, but we need to have open honest conversations. And what I like to call these, you know, these conversations around the nine currencies of choice, I like to call them stay interviews. I would rather sit down and talk to your staff, talk to my staff around what they need to be fully motivated, to perform at their best, to be happy in their role and to be completely satisfied. So they don't entertain other ideas. I want to talk to them regularly about those things so that I don't have to worry about losing them. I don't have to, to scramble, And I don't have to come back with a counteroffer that we know won't be a long-term fix.
0: You say that people join organizations and leave managers. How often when people are doing these exit interviews do they cite their relationship with their line manager as being the reason why they're leaving? Maybe there was a, a personality clash or they just didn't yeah. like their management style. Is that a common yeah. issue?
1: A very common issue, extremely common issue, and rarely will the company themselves get that information. They'll tell the external person, such as myself or a recruitment consultant, they'll tell the external person. Uh, that they, they don't like their manager. They don't trust their manager, but rarely will they tell the company because they don't want to burn bridges. They still have relationships with the people who work in the company. So they don't want, um, they don't want it to get back to anybody that, uh, you, you know, there, there might be some blowback. There might be some consequences as a result of that. But if an external party asks that question, typically they will tell you the right answer. So what we what we want to do is we want to again we want to talk to them about that one on one. But we also, as a as an organization, as an employer, we want to employ some additional listening strategies so that we can pick up on any um, any problems. So you can you can see some of that information come out in the employee engagement surveys. You know, Gallup says that employee engagement the variance in employee engagement scores is seventy percent due to the manager. So you can identify identify. identify some hot spots, some Areas or, or managers that don't have that relationship that they need with their with their employees. So you you want to look at all of the data that you have available to you and take actions now before it's too late. And with as num as many people that are open to looking for other roles uh, within Australia and with our borders being shut and us not being able to recruit people in, we've got to do everything that we can to keep hold of the right people and not let them walk out the door
0: well thank you very much for being on the program i think that gives people a lot of things to think about particularly employers but also perhaps uh, people that work for these companies that are perhaps thinking about what are their nine currencies of choice and whether or not exactly. they've been exactly
1: exactly thank you mitchell
0: thank you kim Sealing smith with us there uh, ceo of ignite global expert on the future of work the mitchell's front page podcast is brought to you by geelong bank